heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. I mean, the first question you have to ask yourself is, did, did we see this coming, what was going to happen in Afghanistan? And I think if you look at the experience of a Joe Biden and you look at the decisions he's made prior, I would have to say to you that uh, I, I think just about everybody's seen this coming, probably. One of the things um, uh, I, I want to point out that I, I, I have noticed, I've noticed how quiet uh, the, the left is, uh, the Democrats have been very, very quiet in as far as Biden goes. There's not a lot of defense there that I see. But then again, my fellow Americans, how can you defend the undefendable? I guess is where we start here, right? You know, this is, uh, this is a wild ride, what's happened in Afghanistan. This is one for the history books. Uh, never in my life have I seen something. You know, we always have a principle here in America uh, we never leave Americans behind, right? The other one that we say is we never negotiate with terrorists. Those are two American principles that really, no matter what side of the political aisle you fell on, you held up those two principles. But I have to tell you right now, those two principles have been broken, destroyed, stepped on. And I don't know how we ever get that back. I really don't know. But let me tell you, it's, it's an eye-opening moment for all of us in this great country. Now, here's where we start. The Associated Press, well, they come out and they say this, President Biden has defended the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, calling the U.S. airlift an extraordinary success. Now, I got to tell you what, how you kill 13 U.S. service members, 13 troops, how, how you, you, I mean, 13 real lives were lost here. How anybody in any measurement can call that an extraordinary success is mind-bending beyond belief. But he is calling it an extraordinary success. You're talking about playing with words now, which, of course, they're really good at. And Biden comes out and says that, uh, and I quote, I was not going to extend this forever war, and I was not extending a forever exit. You know, people, here's the thing. Everything was in place already. We had about 2,500 troops out there. Uh, the, the sky was not falling, and things were in a, a, a kind of a status quo at the moment. Nobody was losing their lives. We could have done a lot of things. We could have strategically planned for a lot of things, this was probably the worst case story that you could possibly not want to have happen, and yet it happened here, and here we are. It is remarkable. Uh, joining me on the program here now, and happy to have him, is former General Don Bulldog joins us. Uh, let me tell you about uh, General Bulldog. He spent uh, nearly six years as Special Operations Commander in Afghanistan, uh, he did 10 tours of duty in Afghanistan after 9-11. I mean, that's remarkable, people, remarkable. Uh, he received five bronze stars and two purple hearts. He retired in 2017. 
And interestingly, as a footnote, I'll tell you, he is also, and I, and I love this, he's running for Senate in New Hampshire as well, which is really uh, terrific. A welcome to the voice of a nation here on America Out Loud Talk Radio, General Boat Doc. Great to have you, brother. Sir, it's great to be on your show and uh, my best to all your listeners. Absolutely. And so I got a lot I want to talk to you about. I've been looking forward to having this conversation. I've always, I, I followed you. I followed your career. I followed the work you've done. Always been a fan. Uh, you are definitely a patriot, a patriot's patriot, as we call it here on our program. So <laughs> I want to tell you, how does any president, forget the political aisle of where anybody sits, but how does anybody call this an extraordinary success when we, we're burying 13 of our own right this moment. How is this any sort of success? I don't, I don't really get it. Well, it, it's not a success, plain and simple. It was a uh, complete uh, disaster of epic proportions at the strategic level, the policy level, strategic level, operational level, and the tactical level. Uh, all failures during this withdrawal, if you want to call it that, um, it seems it seems there's another word for it. It was not a withdrawal, but this goes down in military history as probably one of the worst planned withdrawals uh, in the history of our country, but probably extends beyond that the history of the world. It's 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 terrible. You cannot call this a success. Yeah. And, you know, uh, as I say, uh, I'm not hearing a lot of noise from the left. Typically, they get very noisy and supportive of the president. But you really can't support these policies and the results of his policies, can you, General? No, you can't support them at all. And I think the American people with, what, 80 plus percent um, disapproval rating of the way this was handled, uh, what really surprises me is that there is even a 20% out there somewhere that would even think uh, that this was remotely done the right way. Uh, we, if you start at the bottom, tactical level, leadership on the ground, <clears throat> they didn't have what they needed to do the mission. But instead of protesting that and protecting our service members with the right force protection and doing the right risk assessments, left them in harm's way unnecessarily, negligently, I say. You know, we're going to take risk, and there's risk in everything that we do in the military, but we can't be reckless about it. The operational level, the, the level one step above that at CENTCOM with General McKenzie, completely, completely poorly, uh, poorly planned, poorly conceived, uh, went with whatever the politicians said and whatever came out of the Pentagon and the State Department, and did not do his job <clears throat> to provide the top cover necessary for the tactical level leadership down on the ground who felt they had to do this regardless of whether or not they had the, <clears throat> the right resources. And, and that's, just, that's just wrong. I can tell you that at any other time in Afghanistan, if we had been this reckless, sir, if we had been this reckless, uh, we would have all been fired. Uh, we would have all been uh, relieved of duty and fired summarily if we had had this happen and lost 13 troops. And then you ratchet it up to the Pentagon and the State Department uh, in the policy level and the colossal mistakes made there uh, with planning, uh, not following their oath of office and standing up for what they knew was a wrong plan that was going to end in disaster. 
there's a difference, sir, between uh, being a good soldier and saluting the flagpole and uh, recklessly disregarding your oath, the character and integrity of our nation, our values and principles, and allowing us to be weakened geopolitically. Uh, you know, I've heard from service members in other places of the world serving there, and they're being told by their counterparts that we can't trust America, we can't trust you, and that just endangers lives. So Afghanistan, dangerous enough. The region, now more unstable. The geopolitical environment, unstable now, and nobody has faith uh, in America and, and how we're going to support our allies and the promises that we make to be there for people. Yeah. I mean, the damage with the allies, we're not even really yet talking about. You're so right, General. And the fallout from that is going to be extreme and serious in the months and years to come. I can feel it in my bones. I just know this thing is going to, it's, 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 it's a bad deal all the way around. Let me ask you, you talk about uh, the military and the fight. Do you think anybody gets fired from this? I mean, what, what, I mean, your gut feeling looking ahead, will there be any accountability? Will any heads roll from this thing? No, I don't I don't see that any heads are rolling, particularly when the president um, who's supposed to take accountability for these kind of things and recognize the failure at all levels are saying it's an extraordinary is extraordinary success. Uh, they're not going to look at themselves in the mirror and say, wow, you know, we really did not do the right thing here. Uh, and and so I don't Well, you know, who's going to be held accountable? Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, the Marine who stood up and said, this is wrong. Right. Now, I've come out and said, you know, in full support of him and said, hey, listen, what he did was needed. We have and have for a long time, probably 40 or more years from now, since really the Vietnam era, we've had a transition in how senior leaders are picked and how they're put in place. And it's more to do with a club, uh, organizational nepotism, uh, go along to move along uh, and and less about the quality and the character, the courage, the candor of those senior officers. And you have to play the game and you have to submit to be part of the club. And if they, if you don't, they'll get rid of you. Uh, and so this is a long time coming. George Catlett Marshall, when he was, <clears throat> when he was in charge of the military, he got rid of all the general officers uh, in one fell swoop in the army and went down to the colonel and lieutenant colonel rank and pulled up Eisenhower and the likes of them because he had a bunch of yes men. He had a bunch of organizational nepotism, guys that were more interested in covering their tracks and not serving their organization and people. Now, Afghanistan, this has shown us where we are at right now with the poor senior leadership throughout the years. And I have said this and I've written about it both on active duty and on and in retirement that we have a huge problem in how we select our senior leaders. And America has no idea of the depth and breadth of the problem. Well, this demonstrates that in a big, in a big way. And we have to do something about it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, I'm going to go down this road on this angle, uh, General Bodak, and ask you, as, as a military leader, as a military officer, a general, any, anybody in that role, you take Millie, you take any of the general, would they have been, I mean, all right, 
I, I know in a conference room somewhere in, in the White House, they might do a little pushback or say, Mr. President, in private, you know, we don't think that's the right decision. You need to do it this way. With this kind of a setup and situation where it was so egregious and so wrong and the damage done is so extensive, what recourse do they have? And this is important, I think. Most Americans need to understand. What Could they have done more, the military leaders? Could they have pushed back more? Could they have gone more public? Could they have known in their heart and their soul this was really such a wrong decision? Could they have done anything more to stop this trajectory from happening? Yes, they could have. They could have stood up and they could have made their voice heard um, uh, through their own press conferences. And that's, in my opinion, what they should have done. And they could have done it without, uh, you know, um, violating the Uniform Code of Military Justice. I am, I am a believer in our Constitution and in our system and in civilian control of the military. Amen. But there becomes a point in time where you have to stand up and say enough is enough. I mean, I did it in 2013 when the Obama administration was going to make a huge um, mistake by changing our strategy. They did it. And in 2014, we set up Afghanistan for failure by changing the strategy that had been implemented by uh, General McChrystal, General Petraeus, and General Allen, uh, and and I know because I helped implement their plan uh, in twenty in two in two thousand nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. Um, so I know I was there. I saw it, and so do many of the guys. And we said this is a bad idea. And it fell on deaf ears and they went from combat operations to non-combat operations prematurely. The Taliban al-Qaeda resurged. Our, our, um, our Afghan National Army partners started again to get their butts kicked by the Taliban. Uh, we saw it. We knew it. This was not a surprise to anybody. The assessments on that have been coming in since 2005 on, on how they can't fight and succeed against the Taliban on their own. It wasn't any different in 2005 or 2021, as far as I'm concerned, because I stayed dial in and the guys told me, you know, there was no miraculous change in 2014 to 2021 that would suggest to anybody that the Afghan National Army and police could uh, could successfully fight the Taliban without significant help from us. So, um, you know, I mean, that's hugely problematic. And so they knew that going into it. They knew this isn't the way to do a, res, uh, a withdrawal. They knew how the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS operated. And, and ISIS wasn't even there in 2013. And because we changed strategy, they saw an opening and came in. So, and in 2019, we had the highest casualty rates that we ever had in Afghanistan. So that strategy killed more Americans, and it, and it, it provided more uh, opportunity and time uh, to the Taliban, who controlled most of the rural area, along with Al-Qaeda, along with ISIS, and the, the uh, Afghan national military forces and, and police still could not handle them in a one-on-one fight. They would, get, they would, they would lose, and we, we all knew this. So when I'm starting to hear this, and I'm starting to hear the, the chairman and the, and the secretary say we don't have capability and capacity, bull loney. This is America. We got it. 
we, we have the most resources, access to the most resources that we could ever have. And we did this absolutely wrong. And we never, ever leave an area with one American on the ground. Amen to or that. We never, ever do that. And we did it. And we left allies out there. And we left Afghan partners out there, civilians that worked with us for 20 years on the ground to fend for themselves after we made promises to them. Yeah. They should have stood. This is a violation of our oath, sir. This is a violation yeah. of our oath. And they should have stood up and said, no, we're not doing it this way. We can do it this way, sir, but not that way. And they should have been public about mm. it. But they're more interested in their career. Right. I know. I work for these guys. I know. Right. You know, I, I've seen a lot of uh, significant people actually use the words uh, court martial when it speaks about the results and the decisions that were made uh, from uh, Biden. But of course, that's just theory. It's never really going to happen here, uh, surely. Um, you know, here's what's important. I, uh, I think we should talk about this now, uh, General Bodek, is the, the Taliban now and the Al-Qaeda network and the terrorist activities um, and now there's going to be a price to pay for this. One of the re well, as I remember, and you tell me, you know more than I know about, but if you remember 9-11, the reason that President Bush made the decision strategically to first to go to Afghanistan, uh, it, it was uh, so that they didn't have a safe haven to be able to develop and create sort of a caliphate again, which is what they had a caliphate in um, in the Middle East as well as ISIS had created that Trump dismantled, by the way. The same thing with Afghanistan, that they don't have safe haven to strategically plan out and create these uh, uh, endless uh, terrorist attacks, which 9-11 uh, was an example with all over the world. That, to me, as I recall, was the reason besides getting back at, you know, the enemy, of course, and uh, looking for Osama bin Laden. But it really was that safe haven. What I really don't understand at this point is how did we accomplish any of this? I mean, at this point, 20 years, OK. And there were a lot of ways we could have played this game. But we just given them total safe haven. We just as I remember what we went there for is what we just screwed up royally. And now the terrorists, the terrorists are in charge. They have that made that whole country is a caliphate. They can do whatever the hell they want to do, and they're going to do it. And I think this puts us in grave danger. The West, uh, the U.S. for sure, and the West uh, that we're going to be battling these cats now for years to come. We're probably going to start to see more terror attacks. Of course, we have the southern border open. We got a lot of these cats coming across from Europe now. Uh, it's a bad situation, isn't it, General? Oh, it's a terribly bad situation, uh, not only in Afghanistan. You know, we've legitimized three groups that we've yeah. worked so hard over the last 20 years yeah. to disrupt, uh, degrade and neutralize, you know, render them ineffective. And, you know, we 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 beat them twice in Afghanistan under two solid strategies. One of them was in 2001 to 2002. The recommendation of us guys on the ground was let the Afghans have this. We're done militarily. Karzai is up there in, in Kabul as the interim prime minister. He's got all his governors in place, and they are getting security. They're taking care of the safety and security of the civilians, uh, and they're putting in the governance that they need to do it the Afghan way. And they're reaching out to former Taliban folks who are Afghans, and they're bringing them on their side. So the international community, militarily, their job's done here. 
all we need to do is give them some money, give them, you know, some humanitarian assistance, give them some help. But let's not go into the nation building thing and the building of the armies and the police, because that's not really how they 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 roll here. And let them do it. They'll be highly successful. But no, we didn't do that. We went right into nation building and then we invaded Iraq. And that was a huge resource pull from Afghanistan. So from 2003 to five, what happened? Taliban, Al Qaeda resurged. We fought an insurgency from 2005 to 2009. McChrystal comes in, puts in a new strategy, very effective bottom-up counterinsurgency, creating Afghan local police in the villages, highly successful program, very inexpensive. The way they fight, they walk to work, they live there, they fight for their families, they fight for their business, they fight for their crops, and they beat the hell out of the Taliban al-Qaeda. 2011, Mullah Omar, before he died, said, we can't win with this strategy. So what do we do in middle of 2013? Uh, I think we'll just stop this strategy before it's fully matured and the Afghans can, can handle it themselves. And we'll go, we'll take everybody out of the villages and we'll go to this top-down thing. And so in 2014, that's what they did. And they set it up for failure. So then the Taliban comes back, then Al-Qaeda. Now here comes ISIS. And in Afghanistan, they own it. And now in comes, gener- uh, in comes President Trump with the right ideas on how to do this, but <clears throat> obviously ran out of time because he didn't get a second term. And, and I am convinced that if he had stayed, if he was you know, in office right now as president of the United States, we wouldn't even be having this discussion about Afghanistan. But that's not the case. We got these other cats in here who served for eight years under Obama at lower levels. Now they come back at higher levels and with the same incompetence and the same ideas and the same hand-wringing and same politicization of everything. And the political generals that they groomed for eight years under Obama, the same ones, uh, elevate them and boom. We have this huge problem in Afghanistan that is now regional. Think about it, sir. Pakistan's a nuclear country. We can't have an unstable Afghanistan. Iran is potentially a nuclear country. We can't have, you know, them being allies together or the Taliban threatening Pakistan. We got India, an ally of ours that needs our help. Well, Pakistan doesn't need another enemy, Afghanistan, to deal with. Uh, Up north in Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and Kajikistan and Turkmenistan and those other places, that's unstable. Now you got China and Russia and Iran going to come in there and make a whole bunch of deals. And then you have the extension of this throughout the world. They have emboldened many of the terror groups outside of Afghanistan, particularly in Africa, who are now like, woohoo, they beat America. This is great. That's right. You know, and now they're celebrating that at our expense and we look weak. And now what are they going to do, sir? This is horrific. Yeah. You know, uh, General Bulldog, we, I, I believe, and I have been talking about this for some time, not only are we living through historical moments here, I tell listeners that all the time, but what we're talking about right now, you and I, is, I, I'm absolutely certain of it, is a game changer. This changes everything, the geopolitical uh, stratosphere, ch- changes the entire chessboard moving forward, which you just point out with Pakistan and Iran, uh, certainly with China, uh, Russia, all the players here. 
You know, I'm wondering here to ask you, this is a serious question or thought I want to throw out there with you. You know, listen, we are all patriots here. We love our country. I mean, we, we, mm-hmm. we, we bleed red, white, and blue here. No, no mistake about it. Now, listen, you know, there are many people who would question, are we in our last good days, our last hurrah, America? Now, we're 245 years in. We're at a very critical point of our nation. Here's what I want to present to you. Now, we have all of this going on right now with Biden and what he's done in Afghanistan. All of this, we're we're talking about look at China, look at the COVID stuff. You know, the future of warfare is changing. It's changing from uh, military tanks and helicopters and arms to more of a, well, two things I would suggest to you. Biological warfare, uh, like what's happened with the the COVID, the, uh, the, the bioweapon that China has unleashed on the world, which we have reported on with experts all over the place here. You have that component of the future and you've got cyber warfare taking down uh, certainly uh, uh, utilities, electrical grids, all kinds of components, military operations uh, as the future. I'm wondering now, what does your gut tell you with strategically where we're at at this pivotal, pivotal moment of history where we're screwing up like this and making these blunders, but yet China is on the other end. They're three steps ahead of us when it comes to the biological weapons and the cyber warfare, as well as so many others, Iran and North Korea, uh, Russia, uh, a lot of these enemies. Uh, are we, I mean, you know, I, I hate to admit this, but as a Patriots Patriot, I mean, are, we're screwing around here. Are, are we potentially, uh, we're playing with our future, certainly future generations, but uh, are we in our last hurrah here? I mean, I don't like even saying these words. They don't come out of my mouth easy. Uh, uh, how dangerous are we right now? Well, I believe there's a, there's a huge danger here and you make some very good points. And let's just, let's just look at how, what a dangerous situation that that uh, this administration has placed us in. But more importantly, our military, strategic Navy, strategic Air Force, our nuclear arsenal, our missile technology, our air defense technology and our cyber cyber technology are all deficient. We do not have the capability and capacity to respond to a first world uh, competitor war anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world and sustain that. We have a broken supply chain. Our industrial base is broken. The thing that's thriving though is the military industrial complex. There are people out there making money hand over fist to include retired generals uh, and admirals who are making money hand over fist. Uh, And and that's why these small wars are so so lucrative, right? And, And why members of Congress with special interests and lobbyists you know, like to see this stuff because it brings business to their, you know, to their districts and to their states and people make a lot of money uh, at the expense of, of uh, our military trying to execute things under a poor, a poor policy and strategy. So our big army, you know, and our big military, it's not what it should be. And we got to fix that. And, 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 and uh, that's, that's number one to get to your point asymmetrically, our critical infrastructure is so vulnerable. We've had four major cyber attacks, unprecedented, and we can't even do anything about it, right? And we've ref- and and we refuse to attack back, right? Uh, and so that's you know that's a signal in and of itself, right? Um, if you're not going to attack, I mean these all four of these happened during the 
during this short period of time um, with uh, in, in this particular administration, right? Uh, and so you look at that. You look at how vulnerable we are now because we're no longer energy independent. And we're begging OPEC to adjust its oil prices because of decisions this president has made reversing the decisions of President Trump that made us and then put things in place like the pipeline and other things to continue to ensure our energy independence. Energy independence is huge, right? No, they want to turn us into an electric company here in, in you know, in, in, in America, which is vulnerable to EMP. We are so vulnerable to electronic magnetic pulse. It's ridiculous. And if we change all of our stuff to electronic, uh, to, to electric, guess what we have? We have a huge vulnerability to, to an EMP attack, which is just, you know, it's, it's devices that are, you know, set off in the atmosphere that, that shut everything down. You'd be driving on the road and your car won't work anymore. You know, your house won't work anymore. I mean, these things are huge. Look what we're doing with the health of our of our nation. I mean, we're running the health of our nation into the ground. Look what we're doing with our education process. 71% of our kids can't even serve in the military now, right? For whatever reason, uh, 71% of eligible males and females cannot qualify for the military. Uh, and I mean, that's huge. And less than 1% of the ones that can qualify qualify to serve as officers. It's really unbelievable what the position that we put ourselves in, this weakness that we've done across, of, across you know, defense and diplomacy, development, information, uh, you, know, uh, you know, economy, economics. We are in danger. And if we do not wake up and get career politicians out and change this dynamic and put, like you say, a patriot's patriot in there, patriot, patriot, people who love this country for what it was founded for and what it stands for in our Constitution, then we are going to go down, continue to go down that road that's very dangerous and, our, as you put it, our last hurrah. And that's not what any of us want. That's not what the world wants, right? So that's a fantastic question, and it is applicable, and Americans need to wake up because we can't put up with the status quo any longer. Yeah. Yeah. So well said, General. And on a, on a positive note, I do want to say to folks, I am seeing more and more of our military heroes are indeed, uh, and, and I'm seeing this across the board, you probably are out there as well, uh, are starting to run for political office because they see, listen, there are many ways we serve. When I say we serve, there are, let me say this right, there are many ways we serve our constitution. It, it, that is really it. There are many ways, and you can do it through military school, but you can do it through political office. And when I say that, you get back to our framers, it was when you went to Washington to serve the people, we the people, we are a self-government, remember that now, and then you go home. You do your business and then you you go home. You don't sit there mm -hmm. for 50 years right. and, come, and come out of there in a wheelchair and an oxygen tank or a freaking coffin, okay? All right? <laughs> 
I mean, that's the problem right there, General. And uh, I think term limits are needed across the board. Everybody should have a term limit. The freaking janitor should have a term limit, okay? Term limit them all. And even in these agencies, these FBI, CIA, anywhere above a certain position, I think you should only be able to be in a position for so long and you have to pack your bags and get the hell out. And that's the problem with Washington is we're not, you know, we're not getting the new snowstorm in to get all the yellow, yellow snow out of there. It's just sitting there decaying and building on top of each other. And then, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, what do we got? Well, then we got Diane Feinstein's. We got Nancy Pelosi's. We got uh, McCarthy's. Uh, we got McConnell's. We got both stooges on both sides of the aisle. You follow me? You know, it's rubbish. I, I follow you. Sir, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what the problem is, and it's on both sides of the aisle. One of the lessons that, that President Trump learned that down there was the swamp is purple. It's not just blue. It's purple, and it's, it's divisive, and it's, it's, it's tearing America apart. And to your point, I am getting reached out to by many, many veterans across the country that are running for Congress now, and we are talking and working together and sharing information to help each other out with fundraising and help each other out with networks and con because <clears throat> we're we want to serve people and we and we all believe in term limits and we all believe that <clears throat> what we have there are people that are serving themselves in special interests and lobbyists and so on and so forth and this is really negative and we want to make that change because we understand what public service is that has gone to the wayside and you're right many many people serve in different ways you know, I'm in, the, I'm in the New Hampshire Police Academy now as a recruit. I'm going to be a police officer in the state of New Hampshire on 19 November when I graduate. It's a way, another way for me to serve, right? Um, and our police need help. Our police need quality applicants. They need folks that, can, that are willing to go out there and serve. And, and, um, and so you serve that way. You serve as a, a fireman. You serve as, as a... Uh, as as an ems person you serve as a as a teacher you know there are so many ways to serve serve our country and serve our communities right uh big problem in our country sir is we've taken god out of the out of out of the uh public square and that's to the detriment to the values of our family and we've undermined our education to the point where it's indoctrination now uh and and based off of ideology we have sunk to 38th in the world, uh, you know, we should be number one in the world. There is no reason why we should be 38. Um, and it's just, and then we, we forsaken our communities because the government above us has too much control and we need to get people in there that are going to return the control to the community mm -hmm. because that's where we are strongest. And that's where we, Amen. we produce the best citizens to make our country strong. So right. I'm with you on that. All right. We are talking here to General Don Bulldog. And uh, wow. You know, uh, let me tell you all out there, I, I really was looking forward to this and, and am. Now, uh, we're going to continue on with him. We're going to pause in just a moment. Let me just set things up for you. But there's a really couple of interesting uh, pieces to this story I want to talk to the general about and get his opinion on in just moments here. 
But, you know, as you hear him out there, you see why I want to, again, I, I call him a patriot's patriot. That's, that's, those are my words. But that's what I see uh, General Don Boltek is. And, and, again, it's what it is. It is about serving. It is, it is about country. Uh, this is what this whole thing is about, people. It's what this platform at, at America Out Loud is about. It's what we stand for. We're the people who stand for the flag. We love our country. Uh, we love our great nation. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we want to preserve our Christian nation for what it is and, and build on it for future generations. And, and we're willing to lay down our lives for that pleasure, quite frankly. So, you know, this is not a game. We're not playing a game here. This is uh, very important stuff. Now, here's what I want to do here. First of all, I want to give you uh, a website you check out later on. As you, you hear the man you're, you're listening to here, you know that he means business. Uh, DonBoldock.com. I'll spell it for you. Don, D-O-N-B-O-L-D-U-C.com uh, is a site. You'll see his Senate run there uh, in the race that he is doing. And I, God, I'm, I'm praying to God we get him in there. And we all need to take a look at this. But again, what I said moments ago is very accurate. I, I, I do have, and I, I, this is important now, I do have a, a renewed feeling in me that we have so many outstanding military heroes that are running for political office. Now, that's a sign, people. What that tells you is this. What that says is they see the need to serve there. They've already served in the military. They know what it's about. They know what our flag is. They know what our country is. They bleed red, white, and blue like many of you do out there. And now they see the need. You see, there's a vacuum here. There's a vacuum and there's a thirst. And there's a thirst to, for us to be able to feed that thirst. And that is with people like this who understand, who then run for political office. I'm telling you now, this may be a secret weapon. I'm not, I'm not screwing around with you here. That may be a secret weapon. And, and I don't hear anybody talking about this. But I see a lot of the people we know that you and I out there know, and they're starting to run for these political positions because they see, listen, we can sit on the battlefield all day long and, and have these political buffoons in Washington push all of us around like they do. But if we don't take control and throw their asses out of there and get more uh, military guys like Don Bulldog into office, well, we're screwed three ways to Sunday at that point. How do you say that any different? You can't. Anyways, enough said. But you get the point. And, and here we are. And this is why this is so critical and so important in talking to General Bulldog. Now, I have something very important I want to talk to him about in moments here. And, and, and it's this. And this is something you're all going to want to hear. Let me just say this much. I don't think Joe Biden is calling the shots here. If you have followed him in recent talks and recent speeches, he keeps, and many of you know this out there. It's not like I'm telling you something you really don't know in your heart here. But there are many re references in previous speeches where he keeps saying, well, I, I can't talk about that. I'm not supposed to say that. Well, geez, that's not on my cue card. I can't. I mean, this guy is, you know, he, he's just, you know, the secret is out. If there was a secret, it's long gone. Everybody knows what's happening. So the question I ask you now, and I think General Bulldog has an answer for this. I, I've read up on what he thinks about this stuff. It's going to be quite shocking. This is actually the piece I've been wanting to talk to him about what we're talking about next. He knows who's calling the shots here. He, he knows, and he'll tell us. I, I haven't talked to him about this at all. He doesn't even know I'm saying this, but he's. I, I'm going to put him on the spot just after the pause. And he'll tell us who's calling the shots here. It is not Joe Biden. 
Uh, we'll get into that in just moments. That, that'll that wet your whistle, friends, to make sure you grab your coffee or your cocktail and you get the hell back here. Uh, but I'm just telling you what I know, and I, I believe we all know that it's not Biden calling the shots here. Having said all that, listen, uh, let me uh, mention to you as well, HealthyCell.com is our sponsor here. I love HealthyCell. I've been taking it for three and a half years. You know, with this whole COVID thing, with bioweapons circulating, flus, viruses, whatever the hell they're throwing at us next. It's important you have a healthy immune system and it's important you take care of yourself. If we don't have a healthy lifestyle, my friends, we're not gonna be here to fight the battles ahead. So make sure you take care of you. Our listeners get 20% off that first order. Just go to healthycell.com forward slash out loud or click the banner ad back at americaoutloud.com. Put your seatbelt on, grab your drink there. We'll be back with you just on the other side of the pause. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. Do you know there's no other condition that I'm aware of where vitamins and supplements make such a big difference than COVID-19. We have an abundance of data that we need to be replete with a variety of micronutrients, and that includes vitamins, minerals, and other substances our bodies need. I rely on Healthy Cell Super Boost. That's immune super boost. It's a, a gel pack that can be taken every day. I like to do it before I exercise and before I go out. It's a wonderful supplement. It gives me the immune super boost that I need. Go to HealthyCell.com, use the promotional code OUTLOUD, and get a discount on your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. we join you back here on the voice of a nation it is yours truly here malcolm out loud it's a privilege to be with you friends as always thank you for being here uh next couple few days here we're going to be talking about afghanistan quite a bit with military leaders and trying to debunk this thing and pull it apart here and i'm i've been looking forward to this actually because i've been i've been sitting on my hands here uh, getting through all this nonsense and anyways we're speaking today to general don Bulldog. this i mean it, you know general Bulldog knows uh, i mean he he really is if you talk about well let's get somebody who knows what the hell is going on this is the man right here he, he spent nearly six years special operations commander in afghanistan listen to this how about 10 tours of duty in afghanistan after 9-11 as bronze stars, purple hearts, as about as decorated as you can be. And uh, more than that, he's a Patriots patriot, understands the fight forward, running for Senate in the great state of New Hampshire. Um, and uh, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, so listen, I, I wanna ask you right up here now, 
I think everybody understands, General Baldock, that uh, Joe Biden was never in the position uh, to, and, and I don't I don't say this sarcastically, and I, I will tell you right up front, General, I, I don't make fun of things like dementia and Alzheimer's. I, I find it very sad. And I, I quite frankly, I would like to have a cure for it in our country. I don't wish this on anybody. And, you know, I went through a period of time in my life that I, I really said, we got to find an answer for this. When, when Ronald Reagan got it after he left the White House and he was uh, retired, it really broke my heart to see this great president, number 40, um, as much as he contributed to our, our uh, world and our country uh, with the Soviet Union and Mikhail Gorbachev, Margaret Thatcher, that whole scene there, as you recall, uh, it was very sad to me to see him get to dementia and Alzheimer's and what it does to us. And, and at that point, I committed myself as well to hopefully we find a cure for it in our lifetimes. But listen, obviously, uh, Joe Biden does not have all the connections. Uh, he, he's had a horrible career of political decision making. Uh, but beyond all that, he's not in his best health. He's the oldest president we've ever elected, never campaigned. This was a weird uh, uh, race in 2020. Now, I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks that he is calling all the shots here. His positioning, his posturing, the way he speaks, his speeches, I mean, the way he teleprompts, the way his handlers are handling him. Everybody's got to know that this is not, he's not calling the shots. This is not really the commander in chief. So I want to ask you right out, who is really calling the shots here? And, and I mean, I, I, I've seen some of your prior stuff and I, I think you have a handle on who it is. And I think listeners will want to know this. Who's the architect of this Afghanistan disaster? Who's calling the shots here, General? So I believe that there is a, a shadow cabinet that has been set up uh it consists of um the following members uh and it's uh it's clear to me and i'm with you on this too uh i've had two family members uh that have uh passed of dementia from dementia and i know exactly what that looks like i know the different stages of it um so it's it's very tragic and and more importantly it's unfortunate that um, you know, he's being used uh, in this way by people who are supposed to, uh, you know, uh, care for him. Right. And have some have some sort of uh, have some some sort of support for him, including anyway, his including his wife, General. I mean, how the hell does his wife put him through I, that? I mean, come on. I No idea. I know my wife would not allow it. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, it's about power. It's about money. It's about, you know, that's what it's about. It's about control. And so. That is more important to these people. And so get to your question. Uh, you know, I believe uh, it's Obama. I believe it's the Clintons. I believe it's John Kerry. I believe it's Susan Rice um, that are all part of this shadow uh, cabinet that are running the show, supported by Pelosi, supported by Schumer. Uh, all these people have a hand in shaping what he says and what he does. Uh, and and how he does it and how he presents himself and and the cards and the readers and the electronic devices in his ears that help him out with, you know, suggestions while he's talking and so on and so forth. Uh, these are all the people behind it. I've, I've said it before. I believe this is, you know, President Obama's third term uh, unofficially. Uh, and they're all running this behind the scenes. They're running it. They're running this country that way. It's not the way it was intended 
certainly, and we have to stand up and do something about it. It is hugely unfortunate. And who did they set up to be the uh, heir apparent? Uh, probably someone worse than um, than Joe Biden. And let's not forget Bernie Sanders. This guy's fingerprints are all over this Marxist socialist agenda that they have, um, you know, along with all the cast and characters of the squad and everybody else that lines up. Um, they're controlling the discontent in America's communities through, uh, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Uh, and, you know, these these organizations are causing huge problems uh, in our in, in our uh communities and oh by the way sir what what else are they doing they're undermining our police right uh and they're they're in our schools turning our children against parents uh and uh it's it's despicable they they have their tent tentacles out and their networks out in every institution that matters that could undermine america and they're using joe biden as the puppet to do it yeah, they have the whole defund the police movement is all over the place. This thing has been building since Ferguson. Uh, we, we covered a great deal here on the network general. And, but you know, when you have no law and order and you, the, that, this is really a Marxist move. When you dismantle law and order and you, you, you take some of the steps that are, that are being taken, you kind of see that this talk that was socialism is really turning into a Marxist move. Uh, the country is in danger right now uh, in ways that we would never probably have guessed in our lifetime, General, isn't it? You're, ab you're absolutely right. And, and let's talk about the influence that outside countries have, uh, like China, right, and Russia, right. and even Iran. And now we're beholden to OPEC. Uh, this is unbelievable, sir. I mean, it is just... Uh, the, the, you know, it, you know, our economy, fiscal responsibility, safety and security of Americans, the idea that they can open our borders and flood our country, our country right. with, and I, I believe it's all about getting votes. I believe it's all about getting votes. They're putting them all around different places, you know, throughout the country in order to shore up, uh, you know, Democrat votes. They're trying to interfere with our election process at the state level from the federal level. There is little election integrity in this country. Uh, New Hampshire has a terrible election integrity. And our governor, who's the Republican, isn't doing anything about it. And you don't hear anybody talking about it. And I know New Hampshire isn't any different than any other state out there, right? Mm -hmm. This is the problem we have. Yeah, yeah. So you're running for Senate now in New Hampshire. This was a big decision, wasn't it? Well, it was a huge decision. and. And, you know, um, not, you know, it's not anything that we took lightly. And uh, the way I made the decision was <clears throat> that I was contacted by uh, hundreds of people here in the state of New Hampshire from all 10 counties, all 50 uh, states and all over the military. And now people in other countries in Africa, Afghanistan, places that I have served encouraging me to run because they see that a Marxist America is bad for them and bad for the world, right? So um, that's my why. If other people think that I can go in there and make a difference for them and serve them, 
then I am going to give it my best shot. Yeah, I'm looking at your site now with all the information you have on there and the issues. You say D.C. is broken, just getting the job done for New Hampshire. I won't let special interests or partisan politics get in the way of my new mission, serving as your United States senator. Uh, this this would be tremendous, uh, General Bulldog, to see you uh, be able to take this race here. Um, how's it going? I mean, with the ground support and the swell of people that are getting behind you, because clearly people have got to see your passion and your love for this country. And you've never been one to be bashful on, on the truth. Uh, you're willing to put it out there. So I, I think that's got to be refreshing for most Americans and for, for, and for New Hampshireites. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, at the grassroots level, we're being very successful. Uh, and you know, uh, we look better and better and better as each, as each, uh, week and month goes by, um, you know, I am running a campaign not only against the Democrats here in the state of New Hampshire, but also against the Republican establishment who wants to maintain the status quo. They like the power. They like the money. They like the special interests. They like the, uh, you know, the lobbyist stuff. They like the little appointee jobs that they get in these little things where, where uh, they benefit at the expense of the people that we're supposed to be helping. Uh, and and that's absolutely wrong, right? Uh, and so, so I need people's help, right? I mean, I'm fighting, you know, I'm running against Gene, she or excuse me, against um, Maggie Hassan. Um, and, you know, she hasn't done anything for New Hampshire lately or for the country. She sits on the Homeland Security uh, Committee and look at Homeland Security. It's pretty bad. She sits on the Cyber Committee. Uh, that's really bad. She sits on the Supply Chain Board and Committee. And that's really bad. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when you look at New Hampshire, you know, potentially right now I'm the only declared candidate, but potentially I could be running against uh, Governor Sununu, who's being supported by the establishment. Uh, he's a career politician, you know, big back, you know, big uh, career, you know, big politician family. Uh, you know, he's got all that. And, and, and I'm the guy that's running grassroots campaign, the ordinary Joe, trying to make a difference against this horrific establishment that is on both sides of the aisle. I mean, I am being, I'm running a grassroots campaign and getting my strength from the people of New Hampshire. He's being encouraged to run by Mitch McConnell and, you know, Rick Scott outside of the state of New Hampshire, who have no interest in the state of New Hampshire, don't even know the state of New Hampshire, but yet the establishment is behind him. We need a victory for the people. The people need a victory here. People need someone there that is going to work for them. These guys aren't going to work for them. They're, they're, they're the status quo. I am the biggest threat to the status quo. And that's why they have, you know, here in New Hampshire on the Republican side, disregarded the fact that I was born and raised here and been a resident for 59 years, been a Republican here in this state for 42 years since I turned 18 years old. And oh, by the way, I've been uh, served in the military for 33 and a half years and came back to help veterans to teach, now serve on police department uh, in, in the state that I love for a country I love, right? So um, there's no downside there. We need change and it's about different people, not the same old people. 
It, it absolutely is. You have to have uh, the fresh outlook. Uh, that's the way the framers envisioned our country, that people would go to Washington to serve and then would go home again and not build careers. You know, when you look at the political establishment, you see how wealthy all of them are. They don't get wealthy on 150, 170 or 80,000 a year. They become multimillionaires because of all the deals they make. Problem is, a lot of these people like Biden, for example, sell out and they sell out their country. And I don't know if they do it just pure ignorance or they just think America can handle it. And so they kick it in the in the backside uh, to, to, you know, to celebrate, to uh, line their own pockets, General. And then, uh, you know, and then it's too late. You know, I, I think we're abusing our country at this point at a record pace. It scares the hell out of me, actually. Uh, I am encouraged uh, with military heroes that are running for office and with you. And I got to tell you, I am praying and we are behind you here 100 percent. And we'll not only have you back routinely to get this message out, but try to help you raise some funds because you, you have to have money to be able to run these campaigns. There's no question about it. So, friends, please go to donbulldock.com, uh, B-O-L-D-U-C, very easy, and uh, take a look at his agenda on there. Take a look at the message, what he's doing. You hear from the man today. You can, you can hear his passion, his heart, but he has a whole career of this. This guy didn't just wake up last week to have a V8. I mean, he's been, he's been drinking V8 all his freaking life. Right, right, Don? I mean, come on. Uh, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you didn't just wake up and bang your head and decide. You've been, you've, been, you've been fighting for a country your whole life is what I'm suggesting, General, you know? And, uh, yes, sir. I, and I will continue to fight, and I will be there. Uh, this isn't about me. It's about you, and I tell everybody, yeah. It's your Senate seat, not mine. It's your Senate office, not mine. Amen. I am the guy you put there because you think I can I can help you, and I will. I will work my butt off for you. But uh, that's your seat, and that's what people don't understand. They think it's theirs to do whatever they want with uh, and, and, and build their own uh, self-serving uh, empire. And we have to change that. It's, 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 it is just, it's just wrong. Well, on the wrong court. government has gotten far too big. I think most listeners know and people understand that it's out of control. It's runaway. And we've got to reel it back in because really it is supposed to. I just leave you with this thought, friends. It is about self-government. Uh, we the people is we're built on that, that this whole country, we're, we're the unique experiment in the world, whereas the people call the shots. Not the dictators, the kings, and the and, and those kinds of people in Washington. Uh, they need they need to be excavated and gotten the hell out of there. Uh, General Don Baldock, thank you, General, for being with me. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here, and you're welcome here anytime. Thank you, brother. My honor. Thank you, sir. Thank you for a great uh, great opportunity to speak. These are hugely important topics, and my best to your listeners. God yes. bless you all. Yeah. We're just getting started here with you, General, because uh, I, I believe you and I will have a lot to talk about ahead here, and I so appreciate you. Now, again, check out the website, see what his message is, and uh, and let's get uh, let's get uh, uh, help. Uh, uh, certainly, General Don Bulldock, uh, make a difference and get in there to represent we the people. And again, a lot of other military heroes out there, we need to get behind, friends, and remember that. Listen, this has been an extraordinary talk today on Afghanistan. We'll be on this the next many days here. Thank you, as always, for joining me on the mission, my fellow Americans. It's time to get involved and get loud. <laughs>